0: While you're turning to Ephesians chapter six and verse four, I'm gonna quote the verse that we've been using all along in our little series on the Christian home. This is the 10th message in that series. And the verse we've used is Psalm 101 and verse two where it says halfway through that verse, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart and for the 10th time, It isn't easy to walk in your house in a perfect heart. We are more guilty of letting things slide in our home and our relationships at home by far than we do in church. But as I've also said before, what you bring to church is what you brought from your home. And we are here together tonight as a mixture of homes, a few singles, but we are homes that are brought here together tonight. If God is blessing us in our home in our efforts are towards doing it his way, for his glory, then we're bringing that in here tonight. And we'll all sense it, and the more we do that, the more we're realizing that God is bringing us into that oneness that the Bible speaks of. When he found his people in Acts chapter two, on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place in one accord. They were together, they believed alike, they walked alike, they probably sang alike, they rejoiced alike. They were going through persecution, they were going through rejection, they all had things in common, and God, when he saw them like that, he poured out his spirit on them. Wouldn't that be good if every meeting, God poured out his spirit? I wonder how long it takes take us to get bored with that. <laughs> it's been 40 some years, and I'd love at every meeting if we could get there, amen. But in Ephesians 6, four, fathers bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition, of the Lord. Nurture is generally to train by act, whereas admonition is generally refers to training by word. It doesn't always turn out that way, but generally that's what nurture and admonition is understood by, by commentators. You have to use actions towards your child and correcting them, we call that disciplinary action. And sometimes we just need to have a real good talk and get things straight so that we get our facts together so you know who's boss. And we call that admonition or correcting through words. Not everything deserves a spanking, some things do. We're talking about raising children, of course, and one thing we have learned about children is that they must be instructed. And we read verses in Deuteronomy 4 and Deuteronomy six, eleven, and 32, and we looked at, several passages in the book of Deuteronomy where we are required to instruct our children, but we cannot instruct our children unless we have let God instruct us. If we set aside our need to be instructed, and not just to hear the word, but to have it in our hearts is what we're gonna do. If we don't have that, then we don't have much to instruct our children. If we just give our children good ideas because we're Christian people, it doesn't take them long to read through that, that, you know, you say what we ought to do, but you don't do it yourself. It doesn't take kids long to learn that. And so God wants us to have in our homes fathers and mothers who are instructed in the Lord, who seek that instruction, and in obedience to the Lord, they pass that instruction on to their children. Deuteronomy 11 says to fathers, You shall speak with your children by the way. When you lie down, when you stand, when you're walking by the way, you give verbal instruction to your child as you're going places. The reason we don't do that, we're not better than those people. We're not above those people. We're just people that have been taught that we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't dress like that. We shouldn't act that way. We shouldn't talk like that in public. We have a chance to point out to our children. Again, not that we're better than anybody, And certainly that we're not above and superior to any soul that lives. But God has given us a word as to why we shouldn't do that. And you tell your children. We instruct them and we teach them. Fathers teach their sons to respect women, especially their mother. Mothers teach their daughters to respect men. Both parents do this. It is a solemn obligation, requirement that God lays upon us to teach our children We read last week in Proverbs 22.6, it says, train up a child in the way he is to go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, training not only would be instruction in spiritual matters, explaining scripture and why we walk this way and why we don't do that or don't trust in that, but we trust in the Lord. That is also training, but it also includes things like manners and behavior, being quiet, saying thank you, Maybe I'm too old. I'm not, but I have noticed because my generation was different. I've just noticed a lot of people don't say thank you anymore. A lot of younger folks, and I held the door for some older folks the other day at the post office, and you would have thought I was supposed to. And I thought, well, I guess that's the way that lady was raised. That's the way these children have been raised at home. They never saw thank you from their parents they're not very thankful. and That's one of the signs of the last days, unthankful and unholy. Nothing is morally absolute There's just a relevance in this life. Everything is relative to the age you're in and, you know, what was okay then may not be okay now. What was not okay then, it's all right now. It's a different age. Kids are taught that at home. If they're not taught that at home, they learn at home they can watch that kind of stuff on the TV and with mom and dad sitting there watching that, and it must be all right because we're doing it. But that's part of their training. That's one of the ways that we instruct our children—not always verbally—but when they're with us, what we do, they do. What we wear, they wear, and so forth. Teaching on children, especially discipline, like we're talking about tonight, isn't always easy. You know, a lot of you don't have children anymore. Mine are all raised, and I guess somebody once said they're never raised, but there's a certain age where they are more or less raised. And it isn't easy to receive instruction on raising children if you've never had any or not going to have any or don't have any. But I found there's an interesting parallel when you talk about how parents deal with their children, you can also see a picture of how God deals with us. For example, the Bible, will see it in a minute, that how if we love our children, we will make sure we correct them and not allow them to learn bad habits that God will judge. In the same time, if we are children of God, if we are his children, he's chastening us because the Bible says every son that God receives, he chastens and he corrects us. And if he's not correcting you, if he's not chastening you in some way, you're not getting the message, then chances are you're not his child because God says that every son that he receives, he corrects. Now, he said, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, the effect of chastening is a righteous life that God approves of. God doesn't want to judge you in this world. He wants to be able to say to you at the end of your life, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And for that to happen, God has to deal with you all the time. Because if he leaves you alone, the same thing will happen to you that will happen to children who are without discipline. They will corrupt themselves and go astray. Every child born into this world, the Bible says they go astray as soon as they're born. There's a rebel nature in every baby that's born in this world. Every one of us in here was born with it. We often refer to it as the Adamic nature, the fallen nature. And while little babies are cute and all of those little things, it doesn't take you long to find out that they are shrewd and clever and conniving Scheming and divisive and every other thing. You can tell one, did you eat that cookie? And you can look at their face. They talk with their face. They go like that. Or as if they didn't know. But when they did, before they learned to be real scheming, they say, "Uh uh-uh, and you know they did. Did you hit him like that? And you can tell by looking at them, I mean, they're trying to avoid conflict. They're trying to avoid chastisement. Who likes chastisement? Nobody does. Do you enjoy trials? The Bible says count it all joy when you're going through them, but if you like trials, you need deliverance. There's nothing fun about going through a trial, but it's so necessary from God to us in order for us to be refined and ready and approved of by God so that he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I mean, he has to constantly deal with us. He's not dealing with everybody, but he's dealing with his own. There's a whole lot of people that are going astray and they'll never change, but he's not gonna let you be like that. And we do try to get out of chastisement and all the corrective work, but God knows what's best when it comes to making us the way he wants us. And if you'll learn what he has to say You'll know what's best when it comes to how you train and raise and discipline your children. Again, children have a nature of Adam in them today, and they're not trained. The age that we're in is an age in which there's a lot of rejection of children. You got daycare centers today so mom and dad can work to pay bills in which they spent money they don't have in order to have the American dream. And children are really in the way of getting that done, and so they pawn them off to a daycare center somewhere or whoever else they can get to raise them during the awake time of their life. And then when these kids grow up and they can eyeball you and face-to-face you and challenge you and stare you, when they get to that stage, a lot of people's Christianity is tested. I've seen it. I've watched it for years. Some survive, some don't. I think there's one thing that a parent should never tolerate, I never could, is for a child to stare you down. You say, don't do that, and they kind of go. I don't believe in physical abuse, child abuse. I've never really done that. Let me tell you something, you can never do that to God. When God said, this is the way to walk in, would he tolerate you going? you can't see what he's getting ready to do. All you know is that you're wanting to be in charge and get out of this and he has no right, this isn't fair. Next thing you know, you're upside down in this world and you can't understand why because God just showed you who's boss. Well, again, there are many parallels in raising children and being trained of God so that we don't have to be judged with the rest of this world. God wants to train us. Train means to mold the character. A little baby that came into your family needs a lot of training. If this baby's let alone, they never turn out right. They just never turn out right. When you put your responsibility to raise a child off on a daycare center or your parents, it's not your parents' children, it's your children. It's not a daycare's children, they're your children. And when they don't turn out right, we're looking for somebody to blame it anyway because have you noticed everybody's a victim anymore? I got rebuked for this the other day. I did. I I think you ought to know this. I'd done something I you know, my wife said, oh, Tom. And I said, I'm a victim. I can't help it. I'm a victim. And she said, I rebuke it. And I thought, well, the preacher just got rebuked by his wife. But I was kidding and she was kidding. I knew what she was saying. We were jesting. Uh, I was. But uh, (laughs) she doesn't do much of that. I do. But Anyway, God wants to train us. He wants to mold your character. We have, as parents, a responsibility to mold and train and help the character of our children. Training means to make obedient to commands. And there's one thing that every parent should make sure that they do is when you call your child, they should respond always. And I'm seeing more and more they don't respond until the third yell until the volume is turned up high and a parent's vein on your neck, come here, I'm gonna murder you, you know. Because children can ignore their parents and they do all the time. I've been in too many K-marts, Walmarts and you just see kids all the time disregard their parents yelling and screaming and making racket and they shouldn't be allowed to and you tell them to stop that they look at you like, well, what do you want? And they do it anyway. Because these children are being trained to act like that. When they get in school, they'll curse the teacher. I guess they do that today too. That wouldn't have worked when I was teaching, but they do that today. It's not easy to train children. The word also means to prepare for a contest. Because life isn't easy and life isn't fair. People say that all the time. It doesn't matter. We have to train our children to go through this life and be able to cast all their care and anxiety over on the Lord because he is fair, and we have to train them to do that. But we can't train them if we don't. We can't just spew a lot of lofty, divine words at our children and think that it'll take root in them. If it hadn't taken root in us, as I said a while ago, they figure that out pretty quick. You know, you preach a good game, but you don't really do much about it. So tonight, let's look at the how and the why of discipline or correcting children. The word discipline also means correction now go to the book of proverbs and look in first of all chapter 22 proverbs 22 the how for correction is the rod of correction the rod of correction chapter 22 and verse 15 it says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. That's what we want. Now notice two words in particular here. One is foolishness. The word foolishness has to do with silliness, goofiness. One writer said, and I thought this was very interesting, there are habits that these children develop that should be corrected by discipline, like daydreaming. Have you ever seen a child daydream? I have. Not paying attention. Having to be told two or three times. Not learning when you speak to look at you. You know, to just act like, what? He defined foolishness as that. These traits that go along with people in this world who are foolish. The Bible speaks to many people like a fool says there is no God. He lives like there is no God. He's a God to himself. That must be corrected because, again, you leave a child alone, and that's exactly what will happen to him. So the word foolishness, it says here is bound in the heart of a child. It is lodged there. I don't think there are any exceptions to this. I think every child with the Adamic nature has this foolishness in him. Somehow, and I can't prove this, and it's not theological and all that, but it seems to me that there is a connection between the spirit of this world, demonic behavior, and foolishness of giving up, giving in, looking for some easy way, complaining all the time, belligerent. I think that would probably come under somehow the heading of foolishness because it doesn't make children mature. They don't grow up well and sensible. They grow up looking for fun all the time, always want to have fun, always want to go out and fool around. Some people think when they become teenagers, you're just supposed to have fun all the time. Actually, when you become a teenager, should be a time you're signaled to grow up, to get over your goofy years and begin to make adults out of your lives. Prepare yourself to get a job if you're a young man and just see just how capable you are of doing the things that responsible adult men ought to do. And you begin to spend your money right. You begin to budget your time and everything, begin to put first things first. It's not a time just to hang around with your pants half down and and acting silly. And people do that because they can do that. They're trained like that. They get by with that. Nobody can stop them from doing that. But a Christian shouldn't be like that because a Christian hopefully came out of a Christian home where these things are drilled into a child. Because if you don't, that foolishness will stay bound in that child. One thing your Bible says that will drive it out is called a rod of correction. That sounds ugly. In this day and age, many, many years ago, there was a a teaching going around and it became national, probably global, that if you ever have to spank your child, to vent your feelings on your child by spanking them with a belt or God forbid your hand, my mother never read this book. But if you ever have to spank your child to correct them, it shows your weakness, how desperately weak you are. And they said no child should ever have to be spanked. So the government jumps on that particular bandwagon and begins to organize these social groups or the health and human services or groups whose job it is to snoop around and see who's getting spanked so they can take their children away from them. I overdid that. But I can tell you this. If you spank your child in public, somebody turns you in, you will get a visit. And if you let these people in your house, you'll wish you hadn't have let them in your house. I wouldn't let any of those people in my house without maybe the judge, two or three cops, SWAT team, somebody out there joining them. I just don't want them in my house because they will always find something to justify their department. I mean, if you're going to have a bureaucratic system organized by the government, they have to do something to justify the system. So they look for problems. They look for faults. They look for weaknesses. You spank your child. Well, if you go to church, then you're in some kind of a cult. Oh, let's investigate this church now because they believe it. Well, I saw one of them with a spoon in his pocket the other day, and and he spanked a child out in the lobby. Did you? Yeah, I did. I had a hidden camera. They'll take you to court. I remember reading a few years ago in the paper or hearing on the news, a little uh, mother had her little boy and her little girl in the store. The little boy somehow bumped into her. His little sister was crying, and she said, stop it, and he didn't let And so she just smacked him on the head like that. You know, I guess many of us have done that. I guess it's just being in the South. We just don't know any better, and just reached back and, Stop it like I get there. And so some lady followed them out to the parking lot, got their number off their license plate, called the police, and they were investigated, and they had to go to court. And I think they said these folks had to spend all of their savings account and court costs to get out of that lawsuit because somebody just didn't like that, and they didn't think you should do that, and those poor children are probably getting beaten at home. And I'll bet you that church teaches that they ought to beat these children. Well, there is a verse about beating a child, but it doesn't mean child abuse, and it does not give a license for anybody to hurt a child. You're never right doing that, never. I don't care what church you go to, how many versions of Bible you got. Hurting a child is never right. And a person who's gonna spank somebody with a, a spoon or a belt, or when I was a school teacher, we use paddles. I think today, if you had a paddle, they'd put you in jail forever. But we used to go out in the hallway with paddles, and, and we'd spank kids out in the hallway, a shop teacher, a you know, basketball coach. We did it pretty good the first two weeks of school and shut all that foolishness down. And I mean that we shut the foolishness down by simply catching right away out in the hall. You, come on. And you go out in the hallway, you knock on the door. Mr. Teacher, come out and watch this because we have to have a witness. Otherwise, somebody say, he beat me over the head with a stick. So you come out and watch this and pow. Two or three of those. And he made sure it sounded good. And you go back in class and everybody's (laughs) going. You didn't have any of this. Because you were the face outside, you know. (laughs) But I'll tell you this, it worked. It worked. And we used the paddle. We didn't use it all the time. Never liked to use it, didn't want to use it. Because sometimes you let somebody push you just a little too far. Because they're always testing you see how much they can get by with. And one day you say, that was over the line. Go out in the hallway. Oh, come on. You want to stay in this class, or you want to go home? Well, go in the hallway. We go out there and give them a spanking. Now, today you can't do that. You know why you can't do that today? Because they never do that at home now. Never. Most people don't spank kids at home. and The daycare cannot touch a child like that. There's just so much the government has said to the whole American system, do not spank your children. Dr. Spock said not to. And so I'm telling you tonight, the Bible teaches us that there is a rod that we use for disciplinary reason, and it's called the rod of correction. The word correction is used 50 times, 30 of those 50 times is translated instruction. The word correction means instruction. That is, you are instructing your child that your behavior, whatever it was, whatever merited this spanking, doesn't have to be violent. It just has to send a message. You can't do that. I know some people use a little rod like that. Some people use a belt. Some people use a paddle, a little paddle. There's all kinds of things. We call the rod of correction. And again, there's nothing in the Bible that says how hard and how often you administer swats to a child. My mother used to use a switch. There's no such thing in the Bible as thou shall beat him with a switch. But simply the whole point is about correction. It's like my mom saying, you are not allowed to talk to me like that. Mom, I didn't mean it that, you said it, it's done. The decision has been made. You go out there on that maple tree in the front yard and bring me a limb. I had to go out there and get a limb. I'd get the wrong size and she would whittle it down or she'd wear me out with just a little bit left, you know. I brought one about that long one day in the house and she said, "Ha, you think I'm going to spank you with that? And she went out there and got one of them big limbs and I just had to take it. I mean, you can't run from your mother. I could run from my dad, but I couldn't run from my mother because, you know, I had to come home. And then she'd be waiting. I'm serious. That was another time. That was another or way of doing things. And for the life of me, I cannot understand how men who grew up in that age who are now congressmen, men who are older than I am, who are running the government, vote for such foolish things in this world and give their consent to all kinds of things that, like abortion, how can you do that? How can you, who grew up when I did and you grew up in the 50s? That's last century, in the middle of last century. How can you consent to that? How can you agree to all kinds of wrong relationships? How can you do that? How can you reward single families that are living together, but there's a penalty on if you're married? Why do you reward people that go in debt, but you don't reward people that aren't in debt? And it's people that grew up in my age. When people avoided debt and avoided all that stuff, and divorce was a curse, you just didn't do that. Nobody lived together when I grew up. If you'd done that, somebody would have called the police on you. You would have been arrested. You see how much things have changed? I look at the way people dress today. I look at the way people talk and this really bad music that is in every kid's ear today. Every kid, you know, most kids. And all the kind of junk that's being thrown into their brain and their thoughts and the ideas and this spirit of foolishness is increasing And there's almost an unruly behavior that comes out. You can't correct it. Their parents never corrected them. Parents let their sons bring their girlfriends to their house and spend the night there. I know of two cases where that happened. Well, at least I know where they are and that justifies. Why don't you get them all the booze they want to drink, buy them some pot, let them smoke. At least you know where they are. they're getting stoned and developing this habit. At least you know where they are. They're in your house under your oversight. And the Almighty God, and I saw him judge it very harshly one time, and he's going to judge all of that stuff. None of us will escape the turning away of our head from what Scripture says. Now, this rod is not a fun thing. Some of you say, I never was spanked. Well, There's a lot of people. I don't think my wife was ever spanked. I don't think she ever spanked Rebecca, but it's still in there because there's not a soul that's ever born that doesn't need correcting. Not a soul. I don't think I've ever enjoyed spanking any of my children. There's too many times I spanked them when I wasn't happy, and when you're angry, you put a little bit too much into it. Sometimes you have to watch that. God will never overdo any of his correction of us, but he'll make sure it's done. But that's in Proverbs 22. Look also in Proverbs 13, if you will. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24. He that spareth his rod. People that say, well, I don't believe in using the rod. I just don't believe that's what that means. Well, okay, read this one. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. Because, you see, you really don't care if they ever get corrected or not. You feel bad about using the rod. I'm saying you to whoever this in here has children. You feel bad about using the rod, and you don't like how you feel after you use it. So you spare yourself at the expense of your child. Your child never gets corrected. They get hollered at. That's verbal abuse. They get screamed at. They're told how bad they are, how no good they are. They're told they're this or that, and they're not corrected. So they, when they're through with your verbal abuse, they walk off with their mind thinking, I'm no good. My dad doesn't like me. My mother doesn't like me. They tell me how bad I am and how worthless I am. I wish they'd have just spanked me and got it over with. Listen, I wouldn't walk around in all these teen growing up years with a guilty mindset. I deserve punishment, that's what guilt is. I deserve punishment. I'm no good. So, why try? Who cares if I try? Nobody has time to take me anywhere, do much with me. Kids say that. I tell them before, you know, I don't care how bad it was you grew up, I don't care how much you rejected, somebody found you in the top of a hickory tree. Once you come to the Lord, everything that's wrong can get fixed. Nobody is a victim. Nobody's a victim because we can all be fixed, every one of us. Your home, your life, your child, your money, everything, anything about you that is broken can be fixed. You say, well, I came to the Lord with all kinds of broken... I've been abused, sexually abused. I've been molested. I've been cheated and robbed. I remember one time I was a house broke into and I was beaten half to death. I've had a lot of bad, well, you know, and aren't you glad that God saves you? Because let me tell you how to fix all of that now. There is healing balm in Gilead, and God can begin to bring into your life all the healing that takes so that old things are passed away and all things become new. See, that can happen. There are no victims, no excuses, no substitutes. We have a one way with the Lord, and we have the privilege of walking that way. And I'll guarantee you this, when you start walking this way, there's a whole lot of, of dogs and dirt in your life that God's going to get out of you. That's why he chastens you. He brings you in here on a bad day and makes you hear what you definitely don't want to hear. So you can just stomp out of here fuming and spitting on while I go to that church. And then he speaks to you. You just got exposed. Your corruption just came to the surface. All the scum that the fiery furnace is designed to remove in your life just came to the surface. Now, you want to walk with me or not, then deal with it. Put your hand on the plow and leave it there or let go of it and go somewhere else. Give your place to somebody else because God is serious about raising up citizens for his kingdom and blessing his people. But he said, let me read again, he that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him early, or chastens him carefully. Because that is exactly, again, what God does with you, whom the Lord loves, he what? All right, do you love your children? Then you will chasten them. Chasten can mean verbal instruction, but it is inclined here more to be physical things. Look in chapter 29. Chapter 29 of Proverbs and verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. How's that? Well, it makes a child to know what he should and should not do. I'm not going to do that again. Why? Well, it hurt. I mean, I, man, I got whipped over this. I'm not going I'm, to, no, I'm, uh-uh. Next time he says or she says to come here, I'm going there. They had a fit over me not coming when they called me, and then they took me out there and spanked me twice. Child begins to learn. Your emotions are a part of your life. How you feel came with you when you were born. All your anger, frustration, everything about you that you'll discover, especially when you start going to school. All of this stuff is bound up on the inside of you, and one of the things that God is going to teach you is you cannot be ruled by those emotions. The authority that comes into your life says to you, I will not tolerate you acting like that, talking like that, or doing that. Now, if the child says, I don't know if I want to stop doing this or not, so they do what they shouldn't do, the father says, I told you not to do that. Come here, you're getting a rod. They get a spank and call it that. So they take them somewhere and they spank them, and it hurts. I think it's supposed to. I don't think a spanking is some warm feeling that you just feel good all over. I don't think you get a spanking and you hear music. Unless it's chin music, but you... (laughs) A spanking is designed to let you know that I am right and you are wrong. You can't do that, and I will not allow you to do that in this house. I'm not going to raise a rebel... I'm not going to raise some beer drinking, drag-racing fool of a child. I'm not going to let you do that. You might get out of my sight and try this stuff, but I will hear about it, and I will correct you. In the Bible, Deuteronomy 21, if they would not receive correction from their parents, you know what they did? They stoned them to death. They took them to the elders of the gate said, this child won't mind. They lined him up, and they stoned this child. And that little baby that was so sweet and you were so proud of is under a pile of rocks now because he wouldn't mind. We don't have enough rocks in the world today to do that today. I'm just saying what comes out of our house shouldn't have to go through this stuff. We're Christians. We're more than just name Christians. I hope we are Bible-reading, Bible-believing, God-inspired people. And there's more to that than just singing kumbaya and passing out food in the streets of the city. It's a life we live. It involves how I love my wife and how I love my children, how I treat problems in my home, how I deal with it. The Bible's got something to say about all of this. Christianity is a multifaceted walk. It has something to do with everything. Everything that has something to do with, God wants you to live that way. And when your little children come along, they're all projects. They're all subjects that you need to deal with, and they're all projects in your life for you to raise up to be godly seed. This is what God wants. He wants you to raise them up to be godly seed. But he says, a rod and reproof give wisdom. What does it say? A child left to himself will what? He'll embarrass her. The way he acts, the way he talks to her, his reputation in town as being half hoodlum and his antics at school. The principal called you in. Your child is irascible. They don't want to behave and they use bad words talking to the teachers and all that. Your child. She's thinking, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Well, that's not the time to be sorry. A long, 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 long time ago when they tried that the first time and got by with it was the time you deal with it. And three verses so far said the rod of correction is what drives us out of a child. A spanking. It doesn't have to be hard. It just has to make a point. You don't have to see how many times you can swat your child. You don't have to see how hard. You should never do that. The Bible doesn't describe a whole lot of how you use a rod. They use it pretty good in, in Scripture. If you look back in chapter 20, whether this is exactly in context with what I'm saying or not, I want to read it because it might be. Verse 30. Now, don't take it wrong, but just read it. The blueness of a womb, what's it do? The blueness of a womb. Now, I'm sure it is in its context, it's probably talking about something in a war or something in some other way, but Adam Clark's commentary said this, so stripes, though they hurt for the time, become the reason of correcting and disciplining the moral evil of the inmost soul. The vice of the heart, the easily besetting sin. Have you ever, you parents, don't raise your hand, don't say yes, have you ever spanked a child and left a blue mark on them? I'll go ahead and tell this one because I have done this. I'm just a big bully. One day we lived in Sellersburg, Indiana. And we lived in a little cul-de-sac place. And and across the street was a fellow that made more money than I did and had better toys for his children. He had big Tonka stuff and all we had were Hot Wheels. And one of my boys wanted to go over, I think it was David, wanted to go across the street. Well, every now and then the car would come by, and he wasn't really trained to know stuff like that. And I said, no, no, you can't go over. Don't go out in the street. Don't go over there. You understand? You know, and next thing you know, you look out the window because you have to keep checking on him. He's across the street in a sandbox, real toys. So I went over and I got him and I brought him back and I said, now, didn't I tell you not to go? Now, what do you think I should do and all that? Well, I said, all right, now I'm gonna let you get by with it this time, which I shouldn't have. Because nothing happened. There was no restraints. My desires are okay because I didn't get punished for it. I mean, it's all right. Next thing you know, he's over again. Now, that afternoon, we're going to leave and go to her parents' house. So I go, I don't make sure I do this right. So I went out in a little vacant lot next door to the house and got a bunch of weeds about this time of year. And I had me a big bundle of grass. That's all it was, just weeds and grass. I went over there, and I got him and spanked him in the garage with those weeds. And I got done. He had little red stripes all over his legs. I thought, oh, my. It wasn't hard. He cried because they cry before you spank them. We used to drive the van all the time. We always had a van for all the kids, and we were going on a trip somewhere in the south, and all the kids are sitting back here, and, you know, they get old enough, the bigger ones just pester the little ones. They just egg it on, and they won't leave it alone. So you say, stop it. All right. I mean it. Well, it kept on going. So I just pull over the interstate and stop. I said, I'll be right back. And I took two steps down off the interstate to get me a limb off the tree down there, and they were all bawling. (laughs) The whole carload of them, except for Bonnie. they were just crying, all of them. I think I spanked every one of them. With one limb, wasn't hard enough. But the point was made, that's enough. But they were crying like they were dead (laughs) before even got back to the car with a little limb because they knew they were wrong. Their heart smote them. And before I smote them, their heart smote them. And they knew they were wrong. They knew they shouldn't be doing that, but they did it anyway. So I think maybe the blueness of a wound, there is an application you can make. Again, let me make this a point. It is never, it is never a license to vent your anger on your kid with force. Never. You're always wrong. If you hurt a child, you should be punished. That's not right. But if you let your child go and you don't spank them, you're really doing that child a disservice. And they know they can get by with some of this stuff. You know, today, for example, a lady was telling me once about her child, two or three children, and said, when well, they get in Walmart, they'd take off running and just screaming and yelling. She'd say, stop it. they just jerk away and do it anyway because they knew they had learned that mom won't do anything in public. You know, she would say... When we get in the car, you are dead. Or I'm going to deal with you. And you take them out in the car. But like she said, you have to watch who follows you out to the car. Because if somebody knows you're getting rattled by your children, you kind of roughly, come on, let's go. And you take them outside. Somebody's going to follow you to see if they need to call the human services to come and lock you up forever. But when you do it right at home, I think there's a way that you can deal with it in public. We used to pinch ours, just pinch them. I mean, Bonnie could pinch. She could pinch better than I could. My mother used to pinch me, and I hate I said, I'd rather you slap me and pinch me. I remember one time I was speaking at a public meeting, and I had David and Jimmy with me. Jimmy was always pestered. You know, he'd do that stuff all the time. So he was sitting on the front row here, and he just kept David look up at me like, quit it. I didn't stop him a little bit because he knew I'm, you know, we can't do nothing now. So I just walked on the front row and I put my foot on top of his foot and made a point. And I looked down. When I got back up here, I looked at him. He had tears running down because it hurt. Now, my foot is not a rod, but if he had a blue toe, then this verse makes sense to me. Go back to one chapter of Proverbs 19. Look at verse 18. Do it while they're young. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Oh, it just makes me feel bad when I spank my child. Okay, here's the deal. You cry now, he cries later. You don't deal with him now or her. You don't spank them and correct them now. You'll wish you had later when they make you ashamed. Or you can let them cry now so you won't have to cry later. I'm going to tell you all something. Nothing thrills the heart of a parent than to see their children grow up well, make good decisions, get over all the little things that they grew up with, but just to make them do well or to see them do well and, and act well how many of you know too that a lot of children will start crying really bad before the second lick comes? I mean, there's a blood curling thing. Ah, ah. And you ask them later on, did that hurt? It's just more I cry. If you cry hard, they'll quit. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. Just because they're crying doesn't mean you're done. <laughs> it might mean I ain't saying that See how many licks you can give them, but it's in there. And once again, go back to Proverbs 29 and look at verse 17. Correct thy son, and what will he give you? He'll give you rest. He'll give you rest. Correct thy son, and he will give you rest. When the rod is used consistently... Even in the slightest displeasure, it is never associated with anger or rejection because the parent is never driven to that point. If, in correcting of your children, if you let them drive you to the third scream or the fourth command, you by that time are usually angry and you're real upset and you really do more than you normally would. Some folks. Make the mistake of shaking their children. That's not good either. Or slapping your children with your hand. That's never good. I know you feel like it. I know sometimes you want to. And, well, you guys slap. I did. My mother didn't read this. But I just know that there are things, Christian-wise, everything should be done orderly and rightly. I'm not spanking you because I'm mad at you. I'm spanking you because you made a mistake. You broke the rules. And God holds me responsible to raise you a right way and his word is a right way and I'm gonna alter myself by that. And this is why you're getting the rod. There's three things about correction. Let me share with you about it. One, you gotta be consistent. You gotta be consistent with correction. Sometimes you're busy and the children need correcting and it's really difficult to turn a sweeper off and go sit down. Sometimes it's just verbal correction. You just need to have a talk. But you got to stop what you're doing. you got to go deal with your child. It's a good thing to do because one thing, your child knows that you are caring enough about their life that you're willing to stop what you're doing and take time out of your obviously busy schedule to say to them things they ought to hear. They respect parents for that. Children don't respect parents today who don't care how they act, who don't tell them that they can't wear that. You know, a, a 10-year-old girl going to Screw with makeup on, should be told to go in the house and wash your face. Other kid, I don't care what every other kid does. I care about you. I have to give to God an answer for your life. God gave you to me as a gift. He holds me responsible to do what I think is right with you. Now I'm doing my best. I'm not a perfect parent, and you're not a perfect child. So we're in this thing together. But I'm trying to do what I believe is right because I know more about what I believe is right than you do. So the reason you can't go, the reason you can't play, the reason you can't do what those other kids are doing is because of the effect they'll have on you. Well, don't you trust me? I don't trust myself. Don't you trust me? Sometimes, you know, trust is earned anyway. We'll do that next week. You earn trust. You don't deserve it, you earn it. Because again, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. If this foolishness is never dealt with, then why would you trust a foolish person? And if your children are foolish, it's because you have trained them that way. That is, you've allowed things to happen, or you didn't want to spank them because you feel bad about it, so your soul spares for their crying, and you leave them alone and give them money and let them do what they want to do, go where they want to go, watch whatever they want to watch, run around with whoever they want to run around with, you'll go in debt to give them a car so they'll be like one of the other kids. Then you look one day at them when you have to go to jail to bail them out. You know, you you haven't done anything really good for this child. This child has no values. They don't draw the line. They don't really care about your name and how this is going to affect the parents. Sometimes I think parents would like to say, I wish I could go back 15 years. I would have spanked you. I can see now my mistakes. Well, I wouldn't want any of you to ever have to come to that because I want you to realize now, that you have a chance that God wants to show you some things about, even you have children, they're not only precious, but they are difficult to raise the way God wants them to, but they certainly can be if you're willing to do it. But you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. You don't allow tantrums. You don't allow screaming. You don't allow sassy. How many of you believe children do not have to be loud? It is not a requirement that they get up in the morning and talk as loud as they want to and at every little felony with their brother or their little sister, they do not have to scream at the top of their lungs how they feel. Don't buy drums for little kids. No harmonicas for little kids because they are called WDs. They're wall drivers. Unless you don't care about that. Children should be taught to be quiet. And when you tell them no, they should never be allowed to throw a tantrum. That is an instant rod. That's automatic, no hose barred, no more talking. You have no options here. I said to do it, you're acting like, I don't want to, then you're going to get a rod. You're going to get a spanking. And you're teaching me by this fit you're throwing that I really can't trust you. If you act like that over something like cleaning up your room, how will you act when you're in town around a bad crowd of people doing something you shouldn't be doing to get you in jail? You have no resistance to evil. You do it anyway. So parents, be consistent. Don't allow them to protest. Don't allow them to point their finger and make all this racket, oh, it ain't fair, or scream. Don't do that. Like Susanna Wesley, when she raised all of her children, she said, when we spanked them and they cried, they had to cry softly. Cry softly. And sometimes you get in there when they're crying and they just won't stop crying. Like a guy, t- <laughs> this was funny, but he did. I mean, it worked. His kid was crying and mad at his daddy. He said, put a smile on that face. You ever seen a kid mad and crying smile? They say, that's not good enough. I want you to put a smile on that face and tears are driving me going. Now he said, leave it there for just a minute. Don't you, I, Put it back on there. You see, that's a response to authority. This is who you have to deal with. And the child knows, you know, I can't get by him. Great big old man like that, and I'm a little bitty guy like this, weigh 40 pounds, and he's, I can't do nothing about that. The point of it is, you've got to suppress your feelings. If you think you can live any way you feel, you can't do that. That's a shameful way to think anyway. Second thing is watch out for preoccupation, getting busy and not paying attention. If you say come here now, it means come here now, doesn't it? Is it wrong for me to require my children, now they're grown now, and I've already had my sh- shot at it, and I didn't do as well as I should. You can do it right all the way through. If you want your children to be obedient, you gotta raise them like Hannah raised Samuel. When Samuel heard the Lord in First Samuel 3, speak to him, he thought Eli spoke to him, so he pulled his covers back and said, huh? What? No. He got out of that bed and the Bible says he ran to Eli, wherever he was. He says, you spoke? Is it not right that if you tell your child to come here, they should come here? What if you speak to a child to come here and they act like they never heard you? They ignored you. Should you just say, oh, I can't do nothing with this child. I can't do nothing with them. No, you can't. Let's pray that God never says that about you. Because you're going to let your child go, and they're going to grow up to be like what's going to terrify you. Pray that God doesn't let you go. Because he can. God gives people up. Amen. You think of this. If you tell a child to come here, I means right now. Find me. You heard my voice. Find me. If I don't want you, I don't, I'm not playing games with you and seeing if you'll come or not. When I call you, I want you to come. Don't holler yell, yeah or what. Come here. Again, you're training a child to suppress his natural emotions of not wanting to do anything your way and making him to know he has no options here he does it your way or he gets punished for it. Again, you're not asking him to come here so he can make fun of him. You're asking him to come here because you have instructions for him or you have a question to ask him or something like that. If kids don't listen, you know, that's hard for me. It's just hard for me when a parent tells a child to come here and the child just ignores that. I think that's a terrible thing for a child to get by with. I really do. Or you tell one to sit down, and they go sit down. And then when you turn your head, they get up and leave and go back and play. See, they already are being trained that your authority is pretty weak. And they really don't have to do what you say the way you said to do it because you're not really going to do anything about it. And the last time you used a rod, I started screaming real loud, and you quit after two licks, and, you know, it wasn't anything to that. So I'm learning how to rule you. I'm learning how to pull the strings here. Something else, when you use a rod, if you have to do that, when you have to use it, you shouldn't have to use it all the time, but when you do, explain why you're doing it. Let me tell you why I'm spanking you. Do you know why you're getting the rod I mean, if you've got a child, you're going to get a spanking. You get one of these other kids or little bitty ones or one of these that are, oh, that big. You get in there and you say, you know why I'm going to spank you? You know why you're going to get a rod? The bigger they get, the harder you can swing. Now, that is true. But you know why you're getting a rod? Yeah. And you know why I'm going to spank you? Because God holds me to that. Just like Hosea 6 one says, come, let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn And he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us up. So God does that to us. He not only chastises us, but he also brings us in and he talks to us. He doesn't leave us as an outcast. God doesn't reject us. He just fixes us. And so you explain what we're going to do here. I'm going to spank you. So turn over here, get on my lap or bend over, whatever, depending on the size you are, and you spank them. then when you're through you pray with them because you see what you did was like when we do something wrong with god it's a sin when god deals with our sin he forgives us that's what i'm going to do with you now thirdly we're not going to bring this up anymore i had a child come home from school one time you know he had gotten a spanking at school this is school up in indiana where we lived and I was told that so-and-so God is spanking today because of this or that. I said, well, he's getting one, when he comes home too. Isn't that what you always heard? If you get one at school, you get one at home. Okay. So he came home, and I didn't know they'd listen to the Bible that much. And so I said, all right, buddy, you're getting one now. And he said, well, <laughs> wait a minute. Can I talk? Can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, well, doesn't the Bible speak that if we're wrong and we get punished for it, then we forget? Why am I going to get spanked twice for the same thing when I've already gotten my punishment over to school and I've been forgiven and now you're going to come home like I'm not forgiven and spank me again? (laughs) I said, you better be careful, buddy. (laughs) What can you say? And I didn't spank him. I thought, you know, he's right. He did wrong. He got punished for it. Why should he come home? Be reminded of it again because we do that a lot. Remember what you got yesterday? One of these days, these children are gonna pop up and say, do we forgive and forget or do we just keep bringing it up? Huh, all right. So he didn't get one. Because whenever it's done, it is done. As far as the east is from the west and so forth, God not only removes our sin, but he doesn't keep reminding us about how sinful we are. Our sins have been punished. Amen. Now, in closing tonight, To those people who discourage the use of a rod, because there are some who do, mostly untaught people, but for those who discourage the use of the rod, I want to give you one word in 2 Samuel, if you'll turn over there, 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 31. As for God, his way is what? His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. For those who discourage the rod, he said in Isaiah 55, verse 6, 7, or 8 and there, he said, your ways are not my ways. Didn't he say that? So whatever we're doing that we think is the right way to do it, if it's not the way God said to do it, then it's a the wrong way. And again, the whole political structure of this hour is designed to prevent biblical discipline from taking place. I would caution all of you about spanking your children in public. Just talk to them at home and tell them that we're not going to play this game. I don't want to have to do something in public that's going to have somebody come and take you away from your mom and dad. But I am not going to let you grow up to be a terror by night. You are not going to grow up to be a hoodlum in this community. And you will be either disciplined or you will be like another man I knew that he called the agency and said, this child of mine will not behave. He will not take punishment. I'm not going to physically tie him up and beat him. He will not take his punishment and he will not behave. Would you come and get him? And they did. They came and took this boy and put him in a boy's school. And he broke out of that. It's really tragic because the parents are good people. I mean, they're good folks. I don't know why things like that happen. I don't. But I know that you don't have to have chaos in your house because one of your children are absolutely belligerent and will not respond. Then I would do what I had to do. I hate to think it would ever come to that, but I would like to think that the rod of correction would drive such foolishness and foolish behavior out of a child because the Bible says that's the way to do it. It's better to trust in the Lord, the psalmist said, than to put confidence in man. Now, let me leave you with these guidelines for discipline, children. If you have them, if you're a grandparent, you may have to help your children out one day. Five things. One, talk first. Talk. Don't just grab one by the hair of their head, throw them on the ground, and then start beating on them. Talk. This is what's happening. Secondly, always keep your word. If you say you're going to spank, spank them. Don't make rules you're unwilling to enforce. Don't make rules you're unwilling to enforce. If you're going to enforce it, then make the rule. Thirdly, insist on prompt obedience. Insist on prompt Obedience. Fourthly, parents should agree about discipline. Sometimes mom and dad need to sit down and talk about administering disciplinary action to your child. You may find that one of the two of you don't agree with what the Bible says. And the reason you don't agree with what the Bible says is because of an opinion and not the Word of God. Well, it would seem to me they would say, well, this is how I see it. It doesn't matter what we think or what we see. Remember I said a while ago in 1 Samuel 22, as for God, His way is perfect? That's the only right way. That's the way to do it. But children know, too, that they can play their parents one against the other one. They know that if they want something and daddy says no, they go to mom and sometimes she'll say yes. I think in our family, mom would say no and I was a weak one, they'd come to daddy and he'd say yes. But we shouldn't let kids play us like that. We should be on the same page and we find our children trying to meddle with our relationship with each other, we should deal with that. And fifthly, is spank soundly. Make your point. Again, you don't have to hurt a child, never. But if you're gonna spank one, make a point. Make them know that that was not fun, that felt bad, I don't want any more spankings. I don't know why it is, but boys at least, My age, we, around kids in college, we went to college, there was always that point of time in the dorm talk that the discussion came around to spankings. And I remember on occasion, and I was not saved, but I would make up a story about how my daddy used to wear me out and beat me. Now, kids tell those stories. Young boys do. Mom, oh, my dad, one time, he took me out in the woodshed, you know, which had and had a razor strap out there about that wide, big, leather boy, he, man, I didn't want to go to that place anymore. And I say, yeah, my dad had a big old belt, and one time, he boy, he grabbed me and drugged me, and he wore me out. Oh, I thought I was going to die. That didn't even happen, but I wanted to know that somewhere in my life, my parents cared enough about me to make a point. I would encourage anybody to haul off with a belt like that and wail away, but there's nothing wrong with a belt. I'd roll mine up my hand. You can get about a foot, 18 inches of belt out there, and man, it has fire in it. Barney used to say the little switches had fire in them. you just tap that switch on them little legs, and it's like fire came out. And that belt has fire in it, too. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but it, it would have fire. How many of you have never been spanked? all right good is it difficult it sure is we're all alike when it comes to this we have to trust god for the results trusting in god with all your heart means with doing things his way when you don't feel good about it but you know it's right and you do it anyway you got to trust that god will deal with your child your little boy your little girl your big boy your big girl that he will make them to know that you did what you did because you love them just like God loves us and he deals with us too. And I'm doing this in the name of Jesus because I really want to see you turn out well. I don't want you to grow up all your life and be a teenager. I don't want you to be 30 years old acting like you're 16 because you never grew up. I want to play a partner role in your life in teaching you how to be a man if you're a son. How to be a woman if you're a daughter, your mother would say. You're worth it. God didn't give me something that came from a discount store. I got the genuine article when I got you. And God helped me to place a value on you as my child that I will not leave you to yourself, but I will do my very best to bring all the things that God has shown to me to play in your life. And what doesn't work, we've got to deal with it. Because I don't want you to grow up and be a fool and walk around with your brain burnt with drugs. I don't want you walking around looking for alcohol so you can be somebody you're not. I don't want you to think you have to get high to have fun in life, because you're about 35 years old, you're an old man. Your body shuts down. By the time you're 50, you're gone. All because you played the fool. And it's a parent's job to use that rod of correction to drive it foolishness out of you. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the parallels between you and us and us and our children. We thank you you've been good to us. You'll help us to be good and righteous with our children. We want our children to be godly seed. We want our grandchildren to be godly seed. Give us the courage to do it your way, the faith to trust in your way, and the hope that looks for the best. We ask you to do all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.